everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. Happy New Year, Nikki Kinzer. Happy New Year to you. Huzzah. Huzzah. We're we're here. We made it. Were there fireworks where you were? Uh, Outside. uh, Yeah. Did did the world change appreciably? Uh, No. (laughs) As I was telling you before uh, we started the show, I was in sweatpants and sweatshirt. I showered every other day and no makeup on. For pretty much the whole entire two weeks. So, as you um, do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. It's good <clears> for you. Watched ya. a lot of movies, did some puzzles. Well, I. I think that, uh, yeah, the puzzles were a hit. I think it did change, if only because so many people believe that it changed. And sometimes that's all you need, right? Uh, and I. New so numbers. I am. Yeah, I'm just all in for uh, for change this year, and I'll go ahead and ride that wave as long as we possibly can. Uh, Agreed. Very, very exciting. So today we're got we've it's been forever since we've done a a Nikki and Pete Q and A, and we have Q and A's Q's that have stacked up ready for their A's, and we're going <laughs> to do that today. So it should be uh, it should be fun. There are some great questions. Before we do that, head over to Take Control ADHD. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send an email to you each week every time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And lest we forget, Patreon is here for, to help support you and help support us. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. For a few bucks a month, you can join one of our tiers and know that your support is going to help us invest more time in this podcast and more time in the resources around our ADHD community, which is amazing. If you've ever found that you understand your relationship in a new way uh, with ADHD, thanks to something you've learned on this show, we certainly would encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Uh, We got some things up our sleeves for 2021. We do. I'm I'm pretty excited about them, Nikki. I'm very excited. In fact, uh, we have after there's always a little bit of a holiday shuffle, but after the holiday shuffle, we need 15 more members to support us for our to hit our next goal. Uh, And that gets us to the release of our uh, resource library, all the resources that have been uh, we've talked about on this show, apps, websites, journal articles, everything that we've ever talked about on the show. uh, All the links have been lovingly uh, tested and curated by the wonderful Discord mom. Uh, Melissa has done a great job at building this thing up in Coda, and we're, we are putting the finishing touches on it, but we really appreciate your support to help us earn back the, uh, what we, uh, what we put into it up front. Uh, so we sure appreciate you. Help us get to that, to that magic number. Uh, if you've ever been considering it, uh, uh, now's the time. And I don't know, should I, should I mention what we're thinking about for our next goal? Sure. I've been thinking a lot about it, Nikki. Have I you? was I feel like I was I don't know, I feel like I was shanghai a little bit. But Uh-oh. we're going to do a members only podcast and it's going to be Pete doing his thing <laughs> about technology. Yeah. I, and I say 
Pete, this other guy in the third person, because right. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work Pete? out or not, but I'm very excited to hear this show, whatever comes of it. I'm very excited that I've had a lot of, of ideas yeah. over the holidays. You left me alone without, like, we haven't talked in two weeks, and suddenly uh, my cup runneth over with ideas for episodes that we're going to talk about uh, uh, ADHD, attention technology, and all kinds of good stuff. It's like a whole podcast every other week uh, for... Uh, for members, but we we do need to hit that next goal to make that happen right. because it is a time-consuming, uh, such a time-consuming thing. But we're very excited to do our first serious members-only podcast, like mm-hmm. not even released in in the podcast directories. It's only available to you if you're if you're with us on Patreon. So I'm thrilled to be able to do that and cannot wait. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, uh, help help me help you. That's what I have to say. So, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Special thanks to Nicole and Mary Lou and Leanne and Evan and Stephanie and Eleonora, Rose and Amy and Deb and Danielle uh, for jumping in and supporting us over the last couple of weeks and becoming members of the ADHD community. Thank you so much. We love you. Uh, you're fantastic. And now, um, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about some Q's and A's. Our first question, Nikki Kinzer, comes from our community member, Matt, uh, who is fantastic. And the question uh, is, I'm going to go ahead and read the the preamble, too, right? We'll just read yes. the whole thing. Yeah, All sure. right, here we go. From Matt. I don't know. Should I do funny voices? <laughs> Matt says... Uh, All right. Much of the time, it feels like my brain is in a constant tug of war between ADHD paradoxes. For example, giving myself permission for margin and taking time to think about a problem or topic can just as easily turn into a hyper-focus session. I've developed awareness of what these two different mental states feel like, but because they're polar opposites, one has time pressure and the other doesn't, I have great difficulty making decisions about which one I want to apply to any given project, whether at work or in my personal life. I've learned many things about myself and ADHD over the last few years and many great tips and tools on this podcast and elsewhere, but this constant tension between giving myself space and holding myself accountable, e.g. using timers, time blocking, setting goals, remains a challenge. Is this feeling just a part of having ADHD? that I have to learn to live with? Or are there specific emotional or mental tools and strategies I can look to when it comes up? This is what I think. I I, I feel that the, the, the question, um, I think it is probably part of your ADHD and, and there is probably some acceptance there, but I don't think that that means that you can't, you know, figure out what some tools might be or strategies could be. Um, but one of the things that came up to for me right away is that th- the scenario feels very vague to me. And so I think that um, probably having a little bit more clarity of what these two stages are and where they apply um, in his life. And so really trusting yourself on... Uh, you know, is this about being productive or am I avoiding something, you know, right? Yeah. So it, it is, am I taking too much time to do something that I'm just, because I'm avoiding something else? Yeah. Right. Um. And, and I think that that's where you have to be a little bit more um, 
or have more clarity about what your goal is on whatever it is you're doing. Like, do you need to set a time frame on how much research you do? Or do you need to zero in on just a couple of options versus looking at all options or whatever? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, really just kind of identifying more of what it is that your goal is and uh, trusting yourself and, and asking those hard questions. The other thing that I would recommend is that ADHDers, for the most part, are verbal processors. And so if you are in a situation and you're not exactly sure what you need, hyper-focus or no hyper-focus or whatever, you know, whatever challenge may uh, be uh, coming your way is to talk to somebody about it because uh, talking it out and listening to yourself speak can help you identify where you are and what you need out of this situation and, and and potentially get you away from any kind of rabbit hole. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And the other thing is I wanted to just review for a second the whole concept of margin and and like why that's useful. Right. We did that we did the show on margin and I I think it's important because I think uh, misattributing margin for this purpose um maybe causing you to give too put too much pressure on yourself for these kinds of projects, right? And I should say, the application of any strategy to do this, timers, whatever, whether it's free time or, or brainstorming time, whatever, that's all great. Even if you use it sporadically, right? The, the application of those tools helps you build new habits, right? It's working toward a, a, a change, toward a new mm-hmm. fo- way to focus. But, but margin, in particular, is the buffer time that allows you to think about new projects and things. It's, it's the stuff that it's, it's the free time that you're blocking away intentionally by not filling your schedule to 110% that actually allows you to have some open brain time so that when new projects come up, you can, you do have the flexibility to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to take an hour or two or, you know, to, to actually invest some of myself in this. Um, and, and maybe it's a hyper-focus session. Maybe it's a seven-hour bender on a Saturday. Whatever it is, like, that's why margin exists. So mm-hmm. uh, insofar as they, they seem like polar opposites, uh, opposites because of the time pressure versus no time pressure, really, I don't look at it like that. I really look at, at, at one in service of another, right? right. You, you build margin. So you have flexibility um, with with some of these other things. So I I wouldn't characterize those states as as quite so different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like a a knife is in service of spreading butter on a delicious bagel, right? The knife is in yeah. service to to this other thing, right, right? So is margin in service to new projects and and new ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. That's, I I love that question, and I think I I did want to. I just want to add, because there are a couple of questions like this, like, is this just a thing about ADHD? And I just have to say out loud, yes. In a word, yeah. yes. This is a thing you you live with, and it's okay to to lean in and embrace that. This is, yeah, a, this is constant. It will be constant. That's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, you can free yourself from some of that pressure. Absolutely. Um, we have a question from Heidi. Heidi says this. I wholeheartedly agree with the concept of giving oneself grace and reframing negative self-talk. However, I am then afraid that I'm being too soft on myself and not pushing myself enough to achieve goals. 
Certainly, this may, this may be all-or-nothing thinking, but I have trouble working it out in my head when applying it to myself. Several years ago, I worked with a coach who said that X can be true and Y can be true at the same time. So can X equals giving yourself grace, being kind to yourself, and Y equal, while still challenging yourself to achieve higher standards or goals, both be true at the same time? Also, if Pete could provide a South Park analogy as a good mnemonic device, that would be a bonus. Well, Pete, <laughs> what's your South Park analogy? <laughs> I, am, I am shamed because I read this question first, and then I got so embroiled in thinking about the other questions, thinking, okay, I'm going to come back and go back through my favorite South Park episodes, that I didn't do it. I didn't oh, do it. All like yes. the only South Park I can think about right now is uh, introducing Mr. Hinky, the Christmas poo, and that <laughs> just doesn't seem to relate. So I am so sorry, Heidi, but you can bet I will be doing this and I'll get back to you in the community. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So what do you think? Well, you know, I'm so glad that she brought this up because I think this is this is a roadblock, right? This is one of those things that can easily keep you from being nice to yourself because yeah. there's this guilt around being nice to yourself, totally. so, right? Um, humans are so hard on themselves, especially ADHDers are so hard on themselves. And I 100% believe what your coach said that you can have X and Y at the same time. You can be, you can give yourself grace, but still grow. And, uh, and you know, having the negative self-talk isn't going to serve you. It's never going to serve you, really, right? It's not going to help you. It's not going to motivate you. It's not going to build you up. So feeling guilty about that is not serving you either. So you got to right. look at just this is, self, is negative self-talk, right? So we have to kind of like recognize it and then really kind of tell it to leave. Like, okay, you can you can go now <laughs> because this isn't going to help me. Um you know, I think that we reframe what success means to ourselves. So you have to think about like if you, if, if somebody was coming to you, Heidi, and asking you this question and, and say it was somebody that you really loved, uh, a family member, a dear friend, a partner, a child, whatever, and they were to say, you know, I, this is how I feel, what would you say to them? My guess is that you would not probably say, oh, go ahead and keep beating yourself up because, you know, you probably really aren't doing enough. Like we're not going to, that's just yeah. not the truth. And so I think um, self-growth is is not changing who you are. It's about growing as a person. And so give yourself that grace and and know that you can still reach for whatever dreams or goals you have by giving yourself that grace. Like there, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It, yeah. it really can be the same. Um, yeah, and it should right. be because we make mistakes. We're not consistent. And, uh, and so we want to recognize the, the positive, the positive movements going forward and not feel like, you know, we're holding ourselves back because we're guilty about giving ourselves grace. Right, right. Well, I mean, this is this is cognitive dissonance, right? Textbook. This mm -hmm. is carrying two competing ideas in our heads at the same time. And it hurts. It hurts our brains to do that sometimes, yes. uh, particularly depending on the emotional weight of either or both of those things. And I, I think like Matt's questions, question above, the act of embracing that feeling of of working on whatever your inner script is to change the tone and accept it 
will go a long way toward making you immune to it, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, hey, I'm okay with this negative thing in my life right now. And I know I know I'm gonna feel weird about it because of my ADHD. Bring it on. Bring it on. Let's go ahead and see what we can do with that feeling today. I know Mm -hmm. I'm gonna feel crappy for the next three or four hours. Bring it on. Because as soon as you say that out loud, suddenly, magically, you'll never feel as bad as you think you're going to feel, right? Right, It's like getting a shot. I hate, I freaking hate needles. I hate them. I pass out when they get close to my arm. But when I get a shot, I have that same like childlike reaction to the needle piercing the skin. And so I sit there and I pinch my other hand really hard. Uh-huh. And you know what doesn't hurt anymore? <laughs> right. <laughs> the shot doesn't hurt anymore because I am a programmable dummy, right? Like we are we are adaptable creatures and I think that's really important to to recognize that that you can't like the act of changing that script is effectively pinching your other hand, right? The yeah. thing that that you expect to happen will not happen as badly as severely as overtly as you think it will and so Mm -hmm. i think that's the act of embracing that sensation and um and just knowing that you that that feeling that pain is like you you are you're making a choice on on how to feel that and i think about that all the time when i'm mired in my own self-doubt and judgment and pain oh god i'm choosing to do this again right i guess i you know it's time to start pinching my other hand Mm-hmm. Okay. You have such great analogies and metaphors, but none today. of them are South Park analogies, Nikki. I know. Jeez, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm, bagels. I'm thinking I, about <laughs> all kinds of stuff. <laughs> all right, uh, uh, let's see. Who do we have next? We have, um, uh, oh, our very own, <laughs> our very own Discord mom says. What are your New Year's resolutions? Do you have any current tolerations you want to take care of in 2021? Are you doing any resolutions this year? Well, I don't really do resolutions. We've talked about this before. This is not something that I uh, really focus on because I really think that every any time of the year is a good time of the year to focus on anything that you need to focus on. Yeah. Um, I will say that I am doing the January purge for the first time Uh. with Pete Wright. And some others yeah. in the Discord community. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Oh, it's so much fun. We've talked about this on the show before. So this, this, you know, if you've listened to past episodes about, you know, around New Year, uh, this this might be familiar territory. But uh, we have some dear friends who, for many years running, we have done what we call the Family January Blood Oath Challenge. And uh, it, it started because we thought, okay, uh, we have a lot of clutter and garbage around the house. like not garbage, but clutter and things that we that are just collecting dust. And do we really need those things in our lives? And uh, and are we fetishizing the past? You know, like we right. <laughs> keep things around for way too long. And so we started this thing where on the day, uh, every day for the month of January, you have to get rid of that number of things in your house and in your life. And so on day one, you get rid of one thing. On day two, you get rid of two things. And by the time you hit day 31, you're looking for 31 fresh things to get rid of your house after day 30, where you got rid of 30 other things. Like, it adds yeah. up pretty significantly. And, um, and and it, you know, the first year we did it, like, oh, God, we're, this was exhausting. Like, where are we going to find all these things to get rid of? And then we got to the end, and we're like, okay, should we keep going through February? Like, 
It's just right. alarming at how much crap we we collect. And and it's everything, little things, big things, little things, big things. It's everything. So I decided this year that I, I would just throw it out to the community. We, we decided to do it again. And uh, so the Blood Oath Challenge January Purge is on. A couple of people stepped up. So I created a channel in our um, uh, deluxe tier. So for, for community members, just to keep it, since we're sharing pictures of, of, of you know, we don't want pictures out too publicly. So we're trying to be kind of respectful of that. So it is for members only, but um, it is something that you can certainly do yourself. We encourage you to do it. It's enormously cathartic uh, mm-hmm. to, to see the change. By about day 15, you're like, wow, I think I can actually see my closet or my drawer or something. You start really noticing. So it's really powerful. And that is absolutely one of our um, one of our themes for this year. So I'm so I'm yeah. so thrilled that you were doing this. Yes, I'm excited. Well, because that's definitely been a toleration that that I've had since um, since September when last September when we had to evacuate and uh, when we came back to the house. I I think as a coping mechanism, I mentioned before that I was just cleaning and organizing and trying to you know kind of know like where things are so you're not stuck in that situation again where you don't know where everything is. Yeah. And you're under like a time constraint to to figure it out. So, um, but that it actually, so that coping mechanism has carried on in the last few months where I will kind of pick an area and start uh, cleaning it out. So when you, when you posted this, I thought, well, this is great because it just kind of adds to that. And uh, so I'm very excited about joining that. Um, you know, I think that uh, one of the, I'm doing a joyful list for 2021. So we've talked about that a little bit too of uh, this joyful list are, are things that I just want to do. Like I want to make a point to do that are going to be fun and joyful, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of those things is buying fresh flowers every month, having at least right. one thing of fresh flowers every month. So I have those things that I'm doing. Um, self-care is always a focus for me. That That doesn't stop or start or stop on January 1st. Um, I can say that my focus right now is vitamin D. So I am uh, putting vitamin D. I have a big old bottle of vitamin D on my window seal, uh, kitchen window seal, so that I I see it, you know, and immediately know to take it. So that's Mm -hmm. like my main focus. But um, yeah, you know, they're not really resolutions. They're just things. To, yeah. to focus on, but, well, what, but fun really things like the joyful yeah. list is fun. Yeah, totally. Well, and I, I like, I like health and uh, because, and I think health as a theme is better than like lose 20 pounds as a resolution yeah, because right. health as a theme is everything from like what goes into being healthy. And for me, it's, it's lots of stuff that I embarrassingly have a roller coaster relationship with. Like, right. um, obviously, you know, I think I'm, I'm doing better with eating. I'm doing some inter, I'm back on my intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't eat anything until noon and then I, eat and then and I, I really it's a good way for me to reduce caloric intake on a yeah. regular basis and i'm usually busy enough in the morning that i'm not distracted by food so that's mm-hmm. that's a nice way to do it um i but but health as a as a yearly theme or as an ongoing theme includes everything like like what new habits do i want to build around it like flossing every day i don't sometimes right. i go a long time way too long without flossing and i say to myself but i'm brushing so good but i'm still not flossing <laughs> so right. like that's a thing i want to start uh, being better about like just thinking about the broader aspects of health especially after the 2020 crap show that existed for me for health like continuing right, to right. to um you know build back 
to Absolutely. to something that's that is you know stronger than was before. And I think I'm I think that's possible. Like I I really mm-hmm. do, but it, it's going to take some work. I did. I do want to plug a different podcast, and that is the the uh, Cortex guys, they've done the second run of their Cortex theme system journal, because these were the guys who really started talking about their yearly themes. And so if you go to the themesystem.com, you can watch a video that CGP Grey did on why they do themes, not resolutions. And, uh, you know, I always uh, I always pick up one of their journals. I have the their first year, and I just like to see the differences that they do between them, for, for, because they actually produce the they make these they work with the guys oh, at the cool. cotton bureau and do great work um and so i haven't actually started writing on this one yet but what i love about it is it's it's undated so you just mm-hmm. put like i what is your theme that you're working on and what have you done today to actually move that theme forward what do you, and then you it has a habit tracker it has daily notes pages but you date them yourself so you don't yeah. have to go through um you know this sort of uh pre-formatted thing it's just you you don't waste a lot of paper if you didn't do a week or whatever exactly (laughs) you don't feel bad at all which is i I think really great so i'm a big fan of the cortex guys and and uh, what they're doing over there and the video is super clear uh we'll put a link to the theme system in show notes so you can you can see uh and and get at least yourself acquainted with why um a theme thinking about a theme and Mm -hmm. journaling about that theme will help you move yourself forward Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I've been trying to embrace is more frequent theme change, right? So if health is going to be my first quarter, what is the second quarter? Like, let's, let's focus on three months. How long is it really going to take me to start moving some of those things into daily practice and habit and start looking at maybe seasons? Uh, you know, oh, what yeah. is my, what idea. is the winter theme and what is the spring theme and, and, and how can I, uh, you know, how can I move some of those things forward? That's another one that I got from those guys. I think they are doing some, some great thinking about it and they, they're mm-hmm. super, uh, like living it out loud. And I really like, like that. So, um, there's something else to check out. Yeah, that's great. Carlo Louis says, I just learned the term ableism. Has the podcast discussed or mentioned anything about it? Ableism. I want to learn about how it affects our ability for self-acceptance and self-compassion. Ableism. Heavy term right now. Uh, and um, yeah, it's it's a big deal. And I, we've not ever done a show about ableism in particular. Um, and so... No, because yeah. I didn't even know what it meant. Oh, okay. So I had when I was reading your notes, I was like, "What is this? I've never even heard of it." Yeah. Well, it so it is, and uh, just the the definition: discrimination and prejudice against people with disabilities and or people who are perceived to have disabilities. Um, And it it creates uh, it, it is the sort of discernment of groups by other against the you know um, uh, perceived normal ability or non-disabled and um so you know if if you are ableist and you then you might have a certain disdain for somebody who's in a wheelchair or uh, somebody who's whatever the, the so it really boils down it's to a discrimination just, it's discrimination it is right. but and based just... on physical disability okay right wow and it's terrible and and it's also insidious like it it's often you don't even know when it's happening Right. Because uh, if you don't have a disability, it's incredibly difficult to put yourself in those shoes to to have that sort of empathic experience 
without conscientious effort to do so. And because we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it in daily life, it's hard to develop that habit of having conscientious effort to think about those things. But if, you know, for people who have ever uh, designed a web page or let's just say released a podcast, um, you know, a podcast, which is a thing that requires you to have completely functioning hearing mechanisms, um, by not having transcripts on the page, that is ableism, right? In in fact, that is a, a sort of insidious kind of discrimination against those who cannot partake in something that, that you create. And that is just the littlest way that we're just trying to learn culturally how to be more empathetic toward toward those. Now, the question I think is really interesting. Um, so m- once again, like how does it affect our ability for self-acceptance and self-compassion? Uh, the way I am reading this, uh, I'm gathering from the terms focus that those with disabilities, like categorizing those with disabilities as other, makes it hard to adapt because we don't see ourselves as part of other groups, right? As part of of those maybe disabled groups with ADHD. I, I don't know. Am I reading that right? What do you think? The the question is very short, right? It's just that she's learned the the or he uh they i'm not sure if it, what gender mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. uh it learned this term and wants to know how it affects the ability for self-acceptance and self-compassion so i don't know exactly if you're reading into it right or not um i think that when i read the definition of the word i've never heard of it before but it certainly sounds like just discrimination and i think in the to- in the context of adhd this happens all the time uh, because there's people all over the place that that don't believe in adhd or think that you're using it as an excuse so i guess i was thinking of it more as like in terms of adhd you know do you do you tell an employer well maybe you don't want to because yeah. now they're going to think because you have adhd that you're going to be somehow less than than the, the you know somebody else that doesn't mm-hmm. have ADHD or, um, and, and that's where all of this, you know, I think the discrimination, um, can, can happen. Um, I also think because ADHD and, and a lot of other disabilities, like I think of my husband, for example, who has MS, um, they're invisible. So right. if, if a, if a disability is invisible, it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around it, you know, with somebody that's blind or in a wheelchair, yeah. you know, where they can actually see it's obvious that they have a disability. And so I'm sure there's going to be some discrimination when it's not shown. Um, yeah. Does this affect your, your self-acceptance and self-compassion? Absolutely, 100% does it. I mean, in, or it will, because any kind of discrimination, you know, is going to, to affect that. And, um, and that sucks because there's a lot of people, you know, especially just in the context of ADHD that don't believe in it and you can't convince them otherwise. And so you have to kind of think, I think, what do you have control over? What don't you? What are the conversations worth having? Which ones are just ready, you know, where you can just say, okay, that's great. Great. You think that and walk away. Somebody was telling me, you know, bless you. That's so wonderful. Yeah, bless God you. bless you. Oh, good you know, for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's great that you think that way and then leave. But, you know, I, I think that if you are surrounded by people who are discriminating against you too, you got to think about that. Like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Um, 
because you want people who are building you up, not, you know, not, not pushing you down. So, yeah, I don't know. That's how I kind of took it. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be worth, I, I think we need to investigate further on this, just in, yeah, in particular, yeah. just how, how the, the tone is changing as a result of, you know, terms that, that, you know, qualify um, this, this kind of discrimination. I'll bet there's a guest or two we could bring on that, that would help us understand exactly well, and this it's so question. against the law. I mean, yeah, right. I know, right? I mean, like when we're looking at employment and, and especially employment, like you can't discriminate against a disability. You can't ask somebody in an interview what health issues they have. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's really interesting. But you know what's even more, I mean, this is this is why it's so insidious because there are fields for which like a- ableism is enabled. Uh, yeah. For, for, and all kinds of ways to get around it. You know, I come from a background of broadcasting and journalism and, and in that universe, um, you know, it there is actually a protocol for terminating people based on what they look like or sound yeah. like, not what they're doing, because right. that's the nature of the ridiculousness of the field and and public perception. And so those are the kinds of things that are that just make it really difficult to, um, you know, to to move forward. And and um, and, and so I think it's worth talking about. I, yeah, I do. For so. sure. Bookmark that. Uh, let's see. Wendy says, how would you explain executive dysfunction to someone who is neurotypical or doesn't have ADHD, specifically the difficulty or inability to get started on tasks or appearing lazy? And look at that. I put my name in our notes with a colon and I <laughs> didn't finish my answer. So you go first. <laughs> well, Okay, so there's a couple of two, there's two different ways that I'll explain it to people. Um, But this doesn't cover all of the executive, uh, you know, functions, right? So I want to be very clear, this doesn't necessarily cover every single one of them, but it can help people kind of understand where your brain goes um, in certain certain situations. And so um, the first thing I want you to think about, and I learned this when I was in ADHD coaching school, uh, is if you think about two brains and one has ADHD and the other one doesn't, and you you are asked a question. Uh, and so, for example, the question is, who who is the first president of the United States of America? Now, for somebody that has an ADHD brain, well, actually, I should say both both brains have a filing cabinet right in their head. And that filing cabinet is kind of in the back of the brain. And we have the same knowledge, like you and IP could have the exact same knowledge, right? Yeah, eventually we'll get there to the same place. Yes, yeah. And so I'm asked the question, because I don't have ADHD, and I could technically go straight, because I'm more of a linear thinker than you are, I could go straight to my filing cabinet and pull out George Washington and be able to answer that, right? Now, somebody that has ADHD, their path to their filing cabinet is not straight. It's not linear. It goes sideways and crooked and all over the place, wherever it wants to go. So you may first hear, okay, first president of the United States, but you may only hear president 
And because of our climate that we're in right now, you may, you know, go to Biden or to Trump and get all kinds of feelings, you know, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And then that takes you off of something else, like to think about something else. And then now that brings you to remind you that you need to, to do something for your wife. And then, oh, but we have some deadlines here, right? Before you get to the filing cabinet to to get the question answered. And this all happens really, 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 really fast. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you get to your filing cabinet and you either A, don't remember the question and have to ask it again, or you do get it, but you get it, you know, you don't necessarily get it as fast as somebody that doesn't have ADHD um, because your brain is, is, going into different spots. So what that what that helps people see is that there isn't a straight path. We have the same filing cabinet, but it's not the same path to get there. Also, my filing cabinet might be organized. Yours might not be. So mm-hmm. it may take some time also to, to find it, right? Just because sure. you have to search through it. So that kind of gives you a visual. But the other way that I explain it to people too, and this I, I always explain when uh, I talk about medication, and I'm not saying... I'm for or against medication. This is just how I explain it to people is you could be uh, on a track field and, you know, you and I have the same destination, right? That we have the same race that we're going, uh, going to, to run. Well, when you don't take medication or you aren't, maybe not even medication, let's put it this way. If you're not managing your ADHD, Okay, so that could be a lot of things. That could be exercise, sleep, stress management, right? So it's not just medication, it's everything. If you're not managing your ADHD, then you're probably going to be, let's say, a half a mile behind me. Mm-hmm. So I have I have this like start, like I have this great start ahead of you. And so when you manage your ADHD, whether that's medication or um, exercise, therapy, coaching, whatever it might be, you have the structures to help you, then you're at the same spot. And then then it's a fair race mm-hmm. because we're, we're even. Um, and so again, that doesn't talk about necessarily how to explain tasks or appearing lazy. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can probably explain that, but... One, I think, is that you're not broken. People need to remember that they're not broken. They don't need to be fixed. Um, And one way is not better than the other way. So just because it took you a little bit longer to get to George Washington doesn't make you any dumber or less than than me. (laughs) And I may not even know as an non-ADHD, or I may not know that question anyway, right? Uh Like there's a lot of variables here. so. The other one more thing I want to talk about real quick to kind of give you an idea. Let's just say that, you know, I'm going to Portland from Eugene and it's a straight, it's a pretty straight path on I-5. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you're coming from Portland to Eugene, right? I may have one way that I get to Portland to your house and you may have one way that you get to my house. And neither way is right or wrong. We right. both have different ways of doing it. 
And that's... Just one gets stuck at a winery. And let me tell you, that's yeah, a delay. Right. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and one might get stuck at the coffee shop or yeah. at a friend's house or whatever, right? Right. So, I mean, I think that it's just something to to understand that you're going to the same destination. It's just that we have different ways of getting there and your mind processes differently. I love I love all these metaphors about how how the mind works to to get the job done. I, and it brings up one for me that's just so resonant, which is uh, which is actually one I learned. I can't remember if it was a math class or a, a software development class or something. I mean, it was years and years and years ago. It was somebody who was talk, talking about how uh, like off by one, like n- numerical errors happen. Right when you when you say like you know how many years between twenty twenty and and the year two thousand, it's not twenty years. It's actually oh, right. 21 years. It's an off by one error, but many people think it's a, but, but the metaphor that I was given was, uh, counting fence posts, right? Do mm-hmm. you count the posts of the fence or do you count the spaces of the fence, right? What, mm-hmm. what is that metaphor? And for me, that executive function, uh, challenge is a counting fence post challenge because the neurotypical brain, brain is counting the boards. Right? right is counting the boards between these two posts and that might be the most direct shot but the problem is my brain's going to count the spaces and with each space comes myriad distractions on the other side of it like i can see through it and that means right. i have to somehow get through the space in my brain and back to the next space so that i can create a count of one and that i often find is an easy way for me to just think about like okay right now am i counting fence posts or am I counting spaces? Because Mm -hmm. it could very well be any given task that I'm doing on any given day, I'm stuck in a space. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always, I've always liked that, that little metaphor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I just want to say, it goes back to acceptance when we were talking earlier about, you know, is this ADHD or, um, you know, is it something else? And I think that it's understanding that, yeah, a lot of this is ADHD and a lot of it does mean that you're going to need to have some tools in place to, yep. to manage that. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't get to your destination. It doesn't mean yeah. that you can't do what you want to do. Uh, is it harder? Yeah. You yeah. know, but it also, it, it there's a lot of benefit when, you, when you're able to do it too. So well, and for it, some things, because once you get, once you, are comfortable with the fact that this is how your brain works it it will become an invisible skill like yeah, there right. there are there are people who just like anything else they don't they no longer feel that as a deficiency because they've yeah. lived with it for so long right right, right. you just know that's how it works and it can be surprising when it works well yeah. for other people in front of you but um, you that's okay you bet uh, okay i got a question from heidi I'm recently refocusing on my ADHD after an eight-year hiatus, was diagnosed 10-ish years ago, and got on meds and worked with a coach for a bit, but then lost a job and medical insurance and haven't, quote, dealt with it since then. Once again, I'm without a current job and medical insurance, and so I'm looking into cost-effective ways to get support. I have joined an ADHD support group, and this is helpful. Now, I'm thinking about working with another member on a trial basis, maybe three weeks, to be accountability partners. Any suggestions or guidelines or, uh, or potential pitfalls to avoid? We are friendly and supportive of each other through the support group, but don't know each other all that well. Certainly, I would like to be—I uh, would like it to be a beneficial relationship for both of us. But I'm not sure if I will be any good in helping someone else when I struggle so much myself. Oh, oh. That's a great question! It's a great question, and and uh, you will 
be beneficial yeah. <laughs> and you will be good at helping someone else. I have yep. no doubt about that. Uh, I love this question. I, I want to say be on the lookout for a show with Jane and Marilyn who both have ADHD and they are going to be talking about uh, how they are accountability partners for each other. So we are going to be talking about this more in depth about how to make it work and and uh, what to look for. Um, you know, I think that one of the things that Pete said here in his notes was was around patience and setting and understanding expectations. And that's mm-hmm. true. I mean, you do, you need to kind of, you, you need to be clear about what you want out of the relationship, um, set those expectations. But one of the the biggest things I can tell you from uh, an accountability coach who led a, an accountability group coaching group is what I'm trying to say. Can't get my words out, yeah. but you have to have a regular time and and uh, way that you're communicating. So have it be every morning via text at 10 a.m. or every Friday afternoon for one hour. This is when you guys are going to get together. Mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee you 99% that if you guys just say, oh, I'll get to back to you later or I'll get to you this weekend or whatever, it will die. The relationship yeah. will die probably within about two weeks. Yep. So. Absolutely, it will, and and I, that was the first thing that I thought about, which was like you've you've got to consider that when you talk about setting expectations, you got to consider what are the behaviors that are within the accountability group, like partnership structure, and what are the behaviors that are outside of that structure. If you right. like, there there has to be a shared commitment toward coming together, knowing that it's going to be a challenge, right. but communicating and staying open to it because if you uh, if if the other person just stops showing up right or ghosts you for a couple of days that's no longer a valued uh, like relationship so you want to watch those things but maybe that's the accountability that they need that's what they need maybe what they're going to ask you for is i'm terrible at coming to meetings and I, it's likely i'm going to skip it i need you to to hound me that's what i need from you what do you mm-hmm. need from me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you just mm-hmm. have to understand what the ground rules are because at some point, you, you're going to need to come to terms with what are the behaviors that will cause the relationship to come to an end. It's like any other partnership. At some point, something might happen and you, you've just got to know this was the line in the sand. Like, I'm no longer getting the value out of this relationship that I expected or that we once did and it's time to move on with grace and mm-hmm. dignity and that's okay. And if both of you are those people that need to have that type of, like, both of you might yeah. n- not show up. You might not, not be right great accountability, accountability partners. partners for yeah, each other. you're not right. going to be the right partners. And so right. then I would encourage you to find somebody else in that group that that does feel comfortable enough to be able to to set the alarm and know that they're going to follow yeah. through with it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you got to be honest about that. But this is the thing. This could be a really... This could be a transformational relationship for the two of you if you can make it work. You know, if you are patient and don't give up on it, evaluate it after a couple of weeks, see if it's working out for both of you. What kind of changes do you need? Whatever, like Pete said. Um, But this could be transformational. I mean, honestly, accountability and it's not accountability if you're doing it for somebody. It's just that having somebody to to walk with you, you know, while you're going through this, who understands it, it, it 
it's priceless. Someone to to cherish and celebrate, right? right Someone to right. party with when you do things great. Like there is such a great, just wide open opportunity to lift one another up. And uh, I think take every opportunity to do that. Uh, well, and one last thing is I think it's good that they don't know each other very well. Yeah, I really do. Like, I think that's going to be in your favor because there's not going to be any um, concern about hurting feelings. You're not going to be so close to the situation that that you won't you, you, you won't hold back. Right. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Sometimes when we have accountability partners, be loved ones, especially mm-hmm. spouses. <laughs> Not always a good thing. The ADHD <laughs> coach it. just said that, everybody. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. that, oh, that opens up so many oh, um, right. RSD yeah. moments, right? Yeah, right, I mean, right. Totally. So uh, not knowing each other, I think, is is really actually pretty smart. And just remember, in an accountability relationship, lying to yourself is tantamount to lying to someone else. Right. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, then how can you be honest in this relationship? So oh, that's right. Being that's right. incredibly candid about when you fall down, uh, rather than making up a story that fits the experience, is mm-hmm. really important. And you mm-hmm. don't need to tell anybody about what's going on in your brain. You just have to tell yourself this time was hard, and I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to yeah. be complete and authentic, uh, because that that can torpedo the accountability relationship too. So, mm-hmm. uh, last question, I believe. Yes. Uh, from Anani Moss. In the last couple of months, the show has talked about Pete and his health after dealing with COVID. I appreciate the transparency and vulnerability of sharing these stories with the community. So as a friendly check-in from said community, how are you feeling, Pete? First of all, I love that. And also, I'm sorry if it feels like I've been belaboring my health over the last couple of months. Uh, it's It's been six months, actually. And wow. uh, I, I don't mean to be a repetitive um, person about that, but it was a pretty big part of, of life, as it is with many, 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 many people right now. And, um, you know, I'm okay. Thank you for asking. It's been six months, still on a raft of support uh, supplements and still taking my blood pressure three times a day and watching my blood ox because I've got some weird, still those weird vascular things going on. But I'll tell you, my mood, I feel like a million bucks. Uh, oh, and um, so I am, you know, I'm mobile. My, my limbs aren't swelling radically anymore. That's, that's over as of last month. That's feeling pretty good. Uh, so it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I appreciate Aww. it. I, I yeah. know I'm happy to hear that. And I'm sure... All of our listeners are too. Thank you. So that's that's it. That's our that's our Q and A twenty twenty one Happy New Year Q and A. So so appreciate you all coming and hanging out with us. We've got a good year coming up. Oh, we are. You, I've changed. We're we're changing some things up a little bit. Uh, you'll notice our numbering is changing because there has been some uh, influence from some of the directories to to start thinking of shows in seasons and episodes. And, uh, so we're changing it up. So I, we, we're actually doing, we're starting to think about our show in terms of two seasons a year, because we do take a a natural break in the holidays and a natural break in July, uh, every year. And so we've got two seasons a year. That means this episode right now marks season 22 episode one. 2201 is where that we are today. That is crazy. It's bananas. Um, under the old it's numbering. it's been how long? When, when did we years. start this? In ten, two, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't think uh, I've yeah, ever fact, been consistent with ten- anything for 10 years. I know. <laughs> I think our ten year our ten year anniversary was July when I got super sick, and so yeah. we missed it. We yeah. just we missed it. So we'll have to do something at eleven. But uh, twenty two, not so bad. And uh, so twenty two, episode one, and and so I think going forward the numbers will will change. We'll make them. It, it's on the little artwork at twenty season twenty two, and then episode one. And so it'll be like twenty two oh two. Yeah, twenty two oh one, twenty two oh two. Yeah, and we'll just yeah. kind of roll with it that way. So uh, we appreciate your flexibility. If you are a number person. And numbers matter to you, 2201. And uh, I like it. I do too. I think it's great. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, thanks everybody. You're the best. We sure appreciate you for uh, downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to this conversation, we're going to head over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.